Lawyers, anthrax, and money. Something's hit the fan in Arizona as the election audit continues. Zachary Stebert from the Epic Times joins us. I'm Lawrence Coletti, and this is Legal Talk Today. Welcome back, listeners. Thank you for being here with us. We have a really interesting show today and a terrific guest. But before we get to all that, we need to thank our sponsor, Noda. Noda is powered by MT Bank because you went to law school to be a lawyer, not an accountant. Take advantage of Noda, no cost IOLTA management tool that helps solo and small law firms track client funds down to the penny. Visit trustnoda.com forward slash legal to learn more. Noda is spelled N O T A. Terms and conditions may apply. Well, let's say hello to our guest, Zachary Stebert. He's a reporter from the Epic Times. Welcome to the show, Zach. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm really excited for our interview today. You know, I um, discovered the Epic Times uh, right after the 2020 election. I was trying to follow all of these uh, election challenge cases that were out there. and They would start and stop, and it was just really hard to keep track of them. But uh, you all did such a great job at kind of putting up sort of a dashboard where you could sort of follow all the states at once, kind of got that big picture analysis as to what's going on. That's when I came across your work. And Zach, you know, I really like your writing style. You know, I like how you, you know, you'll, you'll put a story together and say, here's what one side said, and here's what the other side that disagrees with them said. You know, here's some information that was sent to us, and here's a person that didn't want to talk with us. And then you kind of leave it at that and let the uh, reader decide for themselves, which I really appreciate. And, uh, you know, not trying to lead us in any one way or the other. But, you know, thank you for all the work you do over there. And you've been following this um, you know, this Arizona audit, which uh, got my attention. There's a lot of billable hours coming out of there. You've got a billion dollar a year firm Perkins Coy gets involved. And so that's going to perk up the ears of lawyers everywhere. And so why don't we start with this, Zach? Let's start with the origin story of this election audit to kind of give us the big picture. You know, there's two sides of this tale. You know, who's pushing for the audit and why? And then Who's resisting the audit and why? Yeah, so the Arizona Senate, which is controlled by Republicans, ordered the audit. And they are saying that they would like to review the election just to make sure everything went well and to see if things did not maybe fix them for future elections. Democrats largely oppose the audit and have tried to stop it. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. And so when did the audit uh, officially start? And is there any scheduled time so far for uh, the conclusion to come around? So they started, so it's Maricopa County. It's uh, Arizona's largest county. It's over half the ballots cast in the state, hundreds of machines. So they started delivering that material, the county, to the auditors in mid-April. And it officially started, I believe, April 23rd. And they're talking now they're going to be done by the end of June. So that's a few weeks longer than they had originally kind of laid out in the contract documents. Yeah, there's been a lot of stops and starts, as I understand. So, you know, in terms of some of these materials that the auditors are going through, you know, what are they concerned about? You know, what are they sifting through? So they're looking at the ballots, which is maybe one of the major focuses and trying to figure out whether there's any discrepancies, whether there's anything to worry about. There was a plan in place at one point to canvas the homes of people whose ballots raised red flags. That was put on hold by the Senate, so we don't know if that's going to happen, but right now it's not. As of now, it's not. The other big part is looking at the machines, and many of these machines are the ballot tabulators, Uh, that we've heard a lot about in various states. They're from Dominion Voting Systems and the 
county leases them. Right now they have a three-year lease for about $6 million. Now, Maricopa County, as I understand, uh, as you were just mentioning, is the the biggest county in Arizona. I think it represents 60% of the votes there. But in terms of the scale here of this audit, how many millions of ballots are we talking about? How many machines? So it's nearly 2.1 million ballots, and it's 385 tabulators and nine central tabulators, kind of other tabulators. And then there's, they said, eight terabytes of data which includes things like tabulator logs, voter records, server clones, and images of early ballot affidavits and ballot images. So there's, yeah, there's a lot for the auditors to work through for sure. Well, let's talk about those auditors. So as I understand, there's uh, four companies that have been hired to perform this audit. So I guess the first part of the question is, who are the vendors that have been hired? What's the cost? And most importantly, who's picking up the tab? Yeah, so the Senate hired these four firms, and the the main one, kind of the lead, is a firm called Cyber Ninja. They're based in Florida, and they have attracted a lot of criticism from audit opponents because they don't seem to have a strong track record of doing this kind of work. And people are upset because the founder had used the hashtag Stop the Steal in one of his tweets. But they have kind of labeled themselves as the coordinators and they have subcontracted kind of the different facets of the audit. So, for instance, the ballot counting was being done by Wake TSI and the machine auditing was being done by Cypher, I believe the firm is called. So they've kind of formed out this, and but they're still very involved. And you see the founder, Doug Logan, and other officials from that firm at the location of the audit, which is in Phoenix, Veterans Memorial Coliseum. So they're very present, but they have hired these three other firms to do a lot of the work. Now, we just found out today, it looked like Wake TSI had left the audit because their contract expired. So we have a new firm taking over the ballot counting. So we're trying to look into the details on that. As far as the cost, uh, the Senate has put up 150 grand and some of the other money that the workers are requiring is being put up by private groups and a number of those groups are pro-Trump groups. Gotcha, gotcha. And so now we know that uh, Maricopa County officials and the Democratic Party of Arizona are pushing against the audit moving forward. But uh, this was a part of some of the uh, storylines that I was reading that wasn't 100% clear, at least to me, was that now have either of those two parties, you know, tried to step in, be part of the audit? Have they tried to observe or supervise the audit? What's going on there? So the, you know, the top elections official in most states is the Secretary of State. So Katie Hobbs is the Secretary of State of Arizona, and she's a Democrat. She's very opposed to the audit. She and county officials say that the audit's done at the behest of the county and the state earlier this year or even late last year were sufficient and uncovered no problems. So the Arizona Democrats took the, I believe it was the Arizona Senate, to court to try to stop the audit. So this played out for a while, and they ultimately failed because the judge said that they didn't present sufficient evidence to compel him to halt it. And they came to a settlement, ultimately. So that settlement allowed 
some of Hobbes' observers to enter the Colosseum and watch the work being done. Well, let's talk about the uh, Colosseum. And so th- this has been, this is the place where all of this audit is taking place. And the audit is uh, sometimes having to take a back seat to pre-scheduled events. And most recently, it's been a bunch of high school graduations. And so they have to break everything down. They have to do chain of custody. They have to store all of these audit materials uh, in some place secure and keep an eye on them until they can begin again. And so, uh, Zach, one of the big questions I had is why didn't they just leave all these audit materials, the equipment, the ballots, where they were originally and do the audit there? So they did try to do that. The county refused to let that happen. So they were forced to have the materials transported to them elsewhere. All right, well, let's talk about some of the subpoenas. So uh, the Arizona Senate, as I've been reading, has had some some difficulty getting the uh, the materials, the subpoenaed materials, the equipment, the data that they're going to use for this audit. So I guess in terms of that, what have they been refused? You know, what are they still trying to get? Yeah, so backing up a bit. So the county's board of supervisors is in charge of the elections in Maricopa County. And they are they're also controlled by Republicans, but they, again, oppose the audit. So they did not like that the Senate issued subpoenas to them late last year. So they took the Senate to court. So there have been a few different legal battles in this saga. And... The county took the Senate to court arguing that the subpoenas were overbroad and that they went outside the Senate's authority. Now, a judge ruled against them and said the subpoenas were valid. So the county did end up complying with them for the most part and giving over the ballots and the machines and the data that we talked about. But it turns out they are refusing to give over either routers or images of the routers, and they are also saying they do not have the passwords to access the election machines at an administrative level, and Dominion Voting Systems, which, uh, you know, produces these machines, has declined to give these passwords to the auditors, arguing that they're not accredited by the Elections Commission, so that they basically don't deserve the passwords. Okay, and then what was uh, there's a story about a missing database that was recovered, but they're not sure if it's operational. They had to find it in a couple of different places, and I I don't exactly know how all of that computer memory storage works. I had stored in multiple places, but I guess the auditors were able to put it back together. The question is, is it an operational database? So what's going on with that uh, missing database? Yeah, so the auditors said in a recent letter, kind of conveyed through the president of the Arizona Senate, Karen Fan, who hired them. They found some issues, including discrepancies in the ballot batches and a deleted database on one of the tabulators or the machines. And what we have now is kind of a back and forth. The county said, no, it wasn't deleted. And the auditor said, well, yeah, it was. And then Ben Cotton, who is the I believe the founder of Cypher, who's handling the the machine component of the audit, said that he was able to, or his team was able to, recover the data. Now, what's really interesting is a lot of outlets reported that as him backtracking and saying that it wasn't deleted, but he never said that. He said he recovered it. That doesn't mean it wasn't deleted. 
Now, we still don't know whether it was, in fact, a lead-in, because we have, you know, the county on one side and the auditors on the other, but that's the situation now. There's been some ongoing concerns about the transparency of the audit process and and also how well they're maintaining privacy of the voter information. Uh, Also, there's been some concerns about just in general security issues at the facility. So I guess, what are both sides saying about that? So that was the crux of the Arizona Democratic lawsuit to halt the audit. They were promoting or presenting concerns with the security They were arguing that the ballots were not secure, and they were citing a few local news stories that several or at least one local reporter was able to gain access to the arena and said that it was not secure. And they were saying that also put voter privacy at risk, so that could violate the law. And later on, we had the Department of Justice conveying some concerns as well partly in response to the plan to canvass the voters who would be identified through the ballot review. So that was the the opposition side basically saying, you know, the security is not good enough. Let's halt the audit until we can make sure that it is good enough or maybe permanently. And the judge did end up ruling against them, saying they did not present strong enough proof for him to halt the audit. The auditors say, and I've talked to Ken Bennett, the former Republican Arizona Secretary of State, who's kind of acting as a go-between for the Senate and the auditors in the county, that the security has been very good and it's been 24-7 armed guards and that there's very few people with access to the materials. But there are those concerns out there. I mean, with so many ballots, nearly 2.1 million in the machines, there are kind of heightened stakes where if some of this information got out, it could be pretty bad. And as if things were not interesting enough, uh, it looks like we've had a change of judges. So originally, Judge Chris Corey was overseeing some of the ins and outs of this audit as it came before the court as they're trying to work different aspects of it out. He eventually has to recuse himself, and now Judge Daniel Martin has taken over. So tell us that story. What was going on there? Yeah, so Chris Corey was in charge of the case. He said he learned it was not too long after one of the hearings. He said he learned that a lawyer he used to work with was on the case, so he decided to recuse himself. Corey was appointed by a Republican. He was replaced by Daniel Martin, appointed by a Democrat. Now, another twist, and there's many twists in this audit, is Martin used to work for a firm that I believe later became or folded into Perkins Coie. Am I saying that correctly? I th- I've heard it both ways. I've heard it Perkins Coie, Perkins Coie, but you know, uh, <laughs> but I believe, yeah, I think you were talking about the uh, the law firm Brown and Bain. It was absorbed by Perkins Coie, and so yeah, that was my question to you. My follow up was, why wasn't that seen as a conflict of interest? Anything you've been hearing about that? So we haven't heard anything about that. Um, my take is maybe it was so so long ago. I believe it was about twenty years ago for Martin versus five for Corey. So maybe it just felt like it had been so long, or maybe since it was technically a separate firm. But he opted not to recuse himself. But again, he ultimately sided with the 
defendants and the the case is essentially over in terms of they reached a settlement agreement so there's no more hearings as far as i know on the docket there's also been some concerns about damage occurring from the audit itself uh, in regards to the machine integrity and whether or not they can use those machines going forward into the future on on new elections but there's also been this concern about exposing the paper ballots in this ultra, I guess it's an ultraviolet light process where they're uh, checking for authentication there. So uh, what's the storyline there? Maybe build that out for us a little bit. Yeah, so Katie Hobbs, the, the Arizona Secretary of State, the Democrat who opposes the audit, informed Maricopa County last week, late last week, that she is recommending they not use any of the machines that are being audited ever again. And she, in her letter to them, cited concerns with kind of a lack of knowledge about what's being done to the machines and worries that they would be compromised. And at the end, she suggested that her office would prepare to decertify the machines if they did try to use them again. The county told us they received the letter and they were reviewing it, but they were not going to use machines with any potential problems with them in the future. So maybe a little bit of an indication that they agree with her, but we don't quite know yet. Again, I I heard that she was going to be on a podcast, John Solomon's podcast. They had Senate President Karen Fon on, and they were talking that, uh, you know, the the county doesn't actually own those machines. Those machines are owned by Dominion Voting Systems. They're just leasing them. And so I'm not sure if that creates a real issue because it seems like if you're just leasing them, you could turn them back into Dominion to take care of all that certification process to make sure that they're operating properly. But any uh, any updates on those ballots? Are they just going to proceed forward with that process or have they been? What's going on with the ultraviolet light? The ultraviolet light was just one of the methods the auditors were using. They say that they wanted to check into all kinds of theories just to kind of get them off the board and reassure people that that they weren't true, basically. Don't know a whole lot in terms of the ballots. I haven't seen any concerns in terms of damaging them irreparably or anything like that. We've just got a a couple minutes left, but I do want to hit uh, three more questions. And so now I understand there was a big meeting on May 18th. There was supposed to be a lot of really important issues discussed. And so I guess what happened at that meeting and then have the auditors revealed any anomalies discovered so far? Yeah, so the meeting was Ben Codden, who is handling the machine work. Ken Bennett, who is the liaison for the Arizona Senate and Doug Logan of Cyber Ninjas, who is the coordinator for the four firms working on the audit. And it was a very friendly hearing because it's these three guys just talking to two senators, Karen Fan and Warren Peterson, who ordered the audit. So this is the, you know, the most friendly setting that could come in. It did provide some clarifying points, and they got their message out because the media has largely been oppositional as well to the audit. So I think their goal was maybe to clarify what they see as some misinformation. Now, a key point is Maricopa County officials were invited to the meeting. At one point, 
after the county refused to provide the routers and the passwords, Karen Fan, the Senate president, threatened to subpoena them again. And she later backed off that threat and instead invited them to this meeting. Now they said they weren't going to go, and they didn't go. Instead, they held a press conference and denounced the audit, called for it to end, and attacked the auditors. So what could have been something turned into something else, which was very friendly meeting where we did learn some interesting facts, such as, you know, Ben Cotton saying that his team was able to recover the information that may or may not have been deleted from one of the machines. Yeah, I was excited. I got the, the news blurb that they were having that conference. So I, I turned it on in the background and it uh, I was expecting a lot of fur to fly. And uh, unfortunately, didn't see a lot of that. But uh, anyway, cool. let's uh, let's get back to the uh, the plans to canvas. And so this is a relatively new I've kind of learned a bunch of new terminology as a lot of these election challenges have been going on. But uh, you were talking about as part of the, uh, the canvassing, they were going to go back and authenticate some addresses, but they put that on hold. And the notion is that they'll do it if they need it. So I guess a two-part question real quick, you know, what are the conditions that need to be met for them to move forward with that? And then what does that canvassing process involve? Yeah. So a lot of this is laid out in the, um, which is nice. It's, it's published publicly on the Cyber Ninjas website, just the scope of work document, like what they're, we're hired to do and what they're planning to do. So basically they're just they were just planning to visit the homes of voters where there were some questions about the legality of the votes and potential problems. Uh, the Department of Justice stepped in and issued a letter to Karen Fan, the Arizona Senate president, and said this would violate federal law and you shouldn't do it. And in response to that letter, Karen Fan said, we're not going to do it right now. And she said, if the Senate later decides that the canvassing is necessary, then it will be carried out in a manner that does comply with state and federal law. So we haven't really heard. That was the first week or early the second week of May. So we haven't heard about the canvassing plan again since then. And I'm hoping to talk to Senator Fan soon myself and hope to get a follow-up on that. But right now, we effectively, that plan is on hold or not going to happen. Yeah, that'll be really interesting to uh, to, to hear about that. So uh, la- last question for you, Zach. You know, I understand that uh, both sides of this audit have received threats and death threats. So I guess to close us out, tell us about those threats. Yeah, so Katie Hobbs and Karen Fan, among others, you know, people on both sides have been receiving death threats, and Senator Fan received a suspicious white powder at her office. Uh, we don't know if that's anthrax yet, but um, there are a lot of heightened emotions around this audit, so hopefully people can calm down a little bit and wait for the process to finish and hopefully um, accept the results and move forward. Well, Zach, I really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you for being here with us. Uh, re- really enlightening here to kind of see the big picture here going on with the Arizona audit. Yeah, Lawrence, thank you. I appreciate it. And if our listeners, they want to follow up, learn more about the work you do at the Epic Times, where can they find you? So we're at 
the Epic Times, E-P-O-C-H Times dot com. And I'm on Twitter, Zach Steber. And thank you listeners for tuning in. We know there's other shows out there, so we appreciate you investing the time with us. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And of course, one more thank you to our great sponsor, the fine folks at Noda. You can find them at trustnoda.com forward slash legal. That's Noda spelled N-O-T-A. And last but never least, thank you to our team producer, Molly McDonough, and our LT and audio crew for all of their hard work. This has been Legal Talk Today. I'm Lawrence Cluddy. Have a great day, everybody. (laughs) 